Man Up, a program dedicated to inspiring and helping men live lives of heroic virtue. And now, it's time to Man Up. Welcome to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. We are broadcasting on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. I am Joe Stopulis, and today I'll be joined by Nathan Beacom to discuss the Lyceum Movement. Let us start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, Master of both light and darkness, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have so much to do and seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over so many things to look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people walking in darkness yet seeking the light. To you we say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I like that Advent prayer. I usually stick with St. Michael, but during Advent, I like to switch it up if I can. I like that prayer a lot. Come, Lord Jesus, help us to prepare our hearts to you. Help us to find that silence that we need. Today's topic, the Lyceum Movement, I think is related to this. Uh, It's related to turning off the distractions around us and getting back to having communication with, with person to person, human to human. Uh, saying no to technology as the as the only means to uh, to entertainment and to information, um, and Nathan Began will be joining me today to to have that conversation. The Lyceum movement. I, I first heard about this probably about a year ago or so. Totally new to me, and I've been following his work for a while. And a lot of parallels to what um, we talk about here on Man Up when it comes to uh, the importance of of interpersonal relationships when it comes to uh, this idea of, of growing in knowledge and virtue and all these things. And, and Nathan is, is per, I, I, by himself, um, starting this, this what we call the Lyceum Movement here in Des Moines. So we're going to head to a short break, and when we return, Nathan Beacon will be joining me to discuss the Lyceum Movement and all they are doing to create community here in Des Moines. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio was provided by Bows and the Florist. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, weddings, whatever the message, say more with Bozen. Bozen.com, 515-244-ROSE. Bozen makes the moment mean more. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Mercy One, your expert circle of personalized care for all your health needs. With more care locations than anyone, your best life is their one purpose. Find your doctor at mercyone.org. My help comes from you. You're right Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. Excited today to be joined by Nathan Beacom. Nathan Beacom is the head of the Lyceum Movement here in Des Moines. They're doing a lot of great things, and I want to have him on the show to tell us more about that and what we can learn from all the, uh, the various conversations that they're having. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. So, Nathan, you have basically, I would say, restarted uh, the the Lyceum movement. What is the Lyceum movement? What is Lyceum for those who have never heard of this before? Give us some history uh, into what this is. 
Yeah, so the word Lyceum goes back to ancient Athens. Um, the Lyceum was the name of a garden in Athens where Aristotle, the philosopher and scientist, would teach his students. So it has this tradition that goes really far back as kind of the idea of a place of learning. Uh, in the American context, uh, the American Lyceum movement, the original Lyceum movement, was started in 1826 uh, by a farmer in Connecticut named Josiah Holbrook. Uh, and he had the idea that people who were not, you know, the sons or daughters of kind of wealthy aristocratic people who might not be going to Brown or to Harvard should still have the opportunity to kind of continue to learn throughout their adult life. So he started a school on his farm where people could learn about history, philosophy, literature, art, uh, and all kinds of things. And it was his belief that this made people more ready to be good neighbors and good citizens of a democracy if they had developed their minds in this way. So uh, eventually this kind of movement got really big. Uh, there were thousands of these lyceums across the country and they hosted people like Mark Twain and Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass and uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe as speakers. So anybody who had something important to say at that time would say it uh, at a lyceum. Uh, they kind of faded out eventually because of the advent of mass media. So people just started to get their information through radio and then TV and cable news and eventually social media. And we lost the in-person element of engaging with ideas uh, to a great degree. So, so we're so reviving we're, it today. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're reviving it today with the idea that people are kind of hungry for, for that element, too. When was the height of it then? Was it in the 1800s or the early 1900s? Yeah, that's right. It was it was in the 1800s. And I would say the height was around the middle of the century when those sorts of folks I yeah. mentioned who would have been yeah. speakers. And, and so how often were I mean, you have the history on this and how often people were getting together in this type of arrangement? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, this was like all the rage and people would get together uh, like weekly to hear different speakers. And, you know, you can go back and look at the papers in Iowa and see the records of the different people who spoke. And one week you might be learning about the history of ancient Egypt. And the next week you might have a biblical scholar and the next week you might have a politician. So uh, it was a big part of people's life of, of how they continue to learn after school. That, so this is why... I. I wanted to have in the show. This excites me so much that there's there's really a lot of there's a convergence of multiple things going on at once here. One is this idea of community. I have I have yelled from the rooftops in this show uh, in a in a way that is pretty consistent. I would say mostly from Robert Putnam's work about the disintegration of communities um, since the 1960s, 70s, and beyond. And this idea of people coming together for whatever the purpose is, right? In this case, obviously, this purpose is actually it's, it's one of uh, a value, right? So we're talking about education and, and learning, <laughs> but you had communities of people coming together. So that in and of itself is is really cool. And then the next piece of this is it's for a purpose. It's for a really it's a, for a noble purpose, which is which is education and learning. So that's right. this, this, this is this beautiful vision that existed. Um, and then you said, when did they, when did it really fade out? Let's say, like use maybe Des Moines specifically. When, what was the gen or what was the, the history of it in Iowa and Des Moines? Yeah. So they, they started to fade out, uh, at the end of the 19th century. That was when, uh, the Gilded Age happened and people were moving to cities and, um, urbanization where people were living was different. And that was a time that was also high on, kind of a lack of social connection, like our own time. You know, when you mentioned Robert Putnam, when they go back and measure these, these things, that was another period that was high on that. And so the Lyceum kind of faded out uh, and 
Robert Putnam actually argues that the reason that social trust and community strength was high in like the 1940s and 50s was because people realized that and started efforts to counteract that isolation and it actually worked. And so what those things were, were uh, things like the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis Club and even the Knights of Columbus as intentional ways of doing things together as a community. In Des Moines, um, after the Lyceum had kind of faded out, there was something that was started called the Public Forum, the Des Moines Public Forum. And that was in the 1920s. And that was something that people were hungry for. It was wildly successful. The first year, more than 60,000 people participated in these forums where they would discuss philosophy or local issues or government. Um, and that became so popular that it became a national movement. And hundreds of cities and millions of people across the country were attending these forums on the Des Moines Forum model. Um, that eventually disappeared basically because of World War II. And uh, people wanted, you know, funding had to go elsewhere, had to go to the war. And then after World War II is when you start to see that decline in community that you talked about, where people start participating in community less and volunteering less and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think it's another time like it was um, after the Gilded Age when we need to make an intentional effort to, to do things together and rebuild community. It's interesting. You mentioned the Rotary Club. I'm my listeners know I'm a I'm involved in the Rotary Club here pretty strongly. Um, and I and Ben Senator Ben Sass writes a lot on this too. He's nice. No longer the senator as of next month. Anyway, um, he writes a lot on this and he uses the Rotary Club as an example of those types of communities. But then he uses the example of the Rotary Club in its in how its attendance has gone down. Like he he right. holds up. Yeah, we replaced this. We replaced whatever it was with the, with the Kiwanis, with the Lions, with the Rotary Clubs. And even that, those attendance numbers are down as well um, for all these various reasons. And so what interests me so much in what you're trying to do here is the importance of human interaction, of human connection, connectivity is cannot be understated. It cannot be overstated, yeah. the importance of it. And what you're trying to do is to, to revive this um, this notion that living siloed in your house uh, is not, is not healthy for one. Right. And Mm -hmm. it couldn't exist. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently. It literally couldn't exist 40 years ago. Right. So today you can can sit in your house, you can be entertained. You can have obviously the temperature set to whatever temperature you want. You can have food delivered to your door, all your stuff delivered to your door. You don't ever have to leave your door prior to 1950 or so. Think about air conditioning and TV and such. If if it was too hot in your house, you had to go outside and get a get a breeze, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you had to go outside and get firewood. You had to sit out there and talk to your neighbors. All these various things. Um, there was no entertainment in the house outside of reading, which which is a very good form of entertainment. Um, or you had to know how to play a musical instrument. All these types of things. So people naturally congregated together more readily. And so the hurdles we have in today's world are, are clearly much more than they used to have in the in the twenties, right? So the newspaper was invented, and so. People might get their news from a different source. Well, now we've got so many things fighting against us. That's why I think what you're doing is cool because we need to fight against this. It's important mm-hmm. to fight against it. I'm assuming you've been hearing. I mean, what are, what are the what are you hearing from people when they're when they're expressing either interest or questioning what you're doing? What are you hearing? Yeah, I think I think you named exactly what the challenge is, which is that it's just we have so much easy access to things to occupy our time that don't require leaving home. Uh, and so that's the challenge we face is how to get people out the door off their couch when, 
you know, it's been a long day at work and you might just want to watch something on your phone. Um, but once people get in the door and have the opportunity to have these conversations and talk about something that's really meaningful with somebody else from Des Moines or, you know, your community that you just might never have ran into, might never have talked to otherwise, um, people feel that it satisfies this need that they might not have even known that they had. So after our events are done, there's just always this like buzzing energy and people are so happy because they needed community and uh, they realize it once they have the chance to experience it. So uh, I hear from people a lot, you know, like I've been waiting for something like this or where has this been? You know, um, I think the pandemic especially started to make more people aware that living behind the screen was just not going to be a satisfying alternative to getting to know your neighbors um, and talking with people in person. So um, if we can get people out of the door and down there, um, I think it, it speaks to a need that people have. You know, my, my brother last week was the guest in the show and we were discussing making a difference in the lives of, of others, making an impact specifically. Um, and he mentioned that he's, you know, in his music career, he's had a few posts uh, on social media that have gone pretty viral. I mean, tens of thousands of, of likes and impact, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and you know, pretty viral stuff. And he mentioned that you know, the satisfaction you get out of something like that pales in comparison to the satisfaction you get of just making an impact in one person's life for one day. Mm-hmm. Right. That, 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 and I'm an extrovert. So I realize that I obviously are really excited about being around people, but even for introverted people, I, I have to imagine that the, that the human connectivity, if you make a deep lasting impression or make a connection with somebody face to face, what that does for you, for your psyche is so much better than any online communication or connectivity could ever have. And which to me, your movement is, is helping to foster that. It's to help. Let's get out of ourselves. Let's get out of this digital age and let's get together as human beings again. And, and to your point in 2020, I think it opened a lot of eyes up for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not the most extroverted person. And I know people who come who aren't too, but the need, the need is universal. Even if you don't think of yourself that way, um, it ends up being something that really is enjoyable and that is a necessary thing. You know, it's kind of a, a food for our souls to be able to, to have those opportunities, to have those conversations. So how did you even hear about the Lyceum movement? I mean, do you look at the history books or something and you found it and you realize oh, kind of cool. And how, how did it even come about? Yeah. So I think originally I just, I, when I started to kind of, you know, when I was going to high school in Des Moines, I started to get into some of this, you know, like reading more history and philosophy and, I, I realized there wasn't a, a public place where you could go learn more about that or, or talk to people about it. Um, and then years later, I stumbled upon just uh, a farmer, a guy who had a small farm in Wisconsin, who, you know, every couple times a year would do something in his barn, what he called a lyceum evening. And so that's where I first heard of the name of it. And I started to dive into the history and realized this is actually a rich tradition in American culture, you know, and there are all these different iterations of the Lyceum over these years. Um, and as I delved into it, I realized this is the thing that I was kind of craving and that was missing. So then you, at this point, you move back to Des Moines and you're like, let's, let's go. I'm just going to create this as, out of whole cloth. How did you, uh, how did you get inspired to like actually do it then? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I had worked in public policy, uh, for a number of years and 
Another thing I, that just, you know, struck me as it struck many other people was you mentioned the silos and the polarization and stuff like that. And I think that compelled me to kind of jump in and, and this thing that had been in the back of my head to actually start getting it going. Uh, and I knew the place to do that was in Des Moines. So, um, yeah, just took a leap and we had our first, uh, conversation in November of 2021, our first event. It was a panel on the question of whether Iowa nice is a real thing or not. Um, and that's like a fun topic, but it also gives people a chance to talk about our culture as a state, our ethics as a state, um, and things like that. So it, it's, it's both a fun and also a meaningful conversation. And, uh, yeah, we've kept going since then. Yeah. So let's talk about tangibly what it looks like. So how often are you meeting? Uh, when's, when are the meetings taking place? And then I want to dive into some topics that you've discovered. But let's kind of start with the logistics first. Yeah. So our typical thing is once a month. And that's like our life, our, our big conversation, our Lyceum conversation for the month. Um, and so what we'll do is we uh, meet at Gravitate Coworking downtown. That's on Locust. It's right downtown. And they have a kind of auditorium space uh, for this that we use. Um, and we'll have a question like that. So is Iowa Nice a real thing? We had uh, a journalist and a historian and the Iowa Nice guy, Scott Sipker. People know who he is. Um, another topic we did was um what's the story of our own local place and we had the director of the state historical museum um so what we'll do is we'll have a panel conversation from three different perspectives of people who are really knowledgeable or, or have a unique perspective in our community um and we'll have those people kind of talk and share their perspectives as sort of the spark to the conversation and then people get beer and wine and, and go into these smaller discussion groups and um kind of work through this structure of investigating the question at hand together. Uh, and that's, we have wonderful speakers and people really enjoy that. But I think really what puts it over the top for a lot of people is that chance to engage person to person, both with each other and the speakers are in those groups too. So um, people then get the chance to delve in and investigate that question uh, and then come together at the end. Uh, and with the group and, and kind of share what's been learned out of that. We also do a couple other things. We did um, our first annual philosophy in the park event, which was a barbecue uh, on a park on the south side of Des Moines, where we had two philosophers from Iowa colleges introduce people to the thought of Marcus Aurelius. Uh, and so that people that had uh, a lot of attendance. People loved the opportunity to have a really accessible way. You know, you don't need to be a scholar or a philosopher uh, um, to attend these things. It's open to everybody and a really accessible way to access that important thinker and history and, and see how his thought might apply to our lives all over, uh, you know, brats and burgers and beer. Um, and then we've done some classes and reading groups and different things too. So uh, that's some of the stuff we've done this year and, and there's more to come that we're hoping to do in 2023. What are some other topics you have hit on uh, for the main event? Yeah, so we've done uh, how uh, an event on how our phones are changing our brains. Um, we've done an event on how to find meaning and work in your in your employment, how to find uh, uh, purpose in it, um, or whether you should find purpose in it, questions of that nature. Next month, we're doing an event on finding hope and suffering, and we're going to have Dr. Richard Deming. Oh, uh, who the, the Deming Cancer Center is named after. He's a very thoughtful, philosophical guy who 
has treated cancer patients for decades and seen people go through all kinds of things. And he started Above and Beyond Cancer, which is a uh, that group that takes cancer patients on mountain hikes around the world. So, um, and then we'll also have uh, a woman from Cape Or Young from the Emmaus House who's worked with the elderly in nursing homes and also has a perspective. So um, we'll investigate that kind of question as we come to the end of the year and the holiday season. And what, what, so when are your events? Is it a, a, like a reoccurring date of the month? Typically they'll be on the third Thursday. So um, that's December 15th for this upcoming one. Um, from a how to get in touch, is our mailing list? Is it a Facebook? Th- how do you how do you keep in touch with you guys? How do you find out more about the actual events themselves? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the theme of all those accounts is get off this social network and just go to the actual Lyceum. Um, because, uh, you know, so much of what's on the social network is what fuels some of the unhealthy parts of our conversations. Um, but we use those to get the word out about what we're doing, and they're helpful for that. Um, you can also go to our website, which is www.lyceamovement.org, and you can find where to subscribe to our email list there. It's funny. It's like, so I'm a big fan of Matt Frad's work in the Catholic world, and he he has an enormous YouTube following, and he's got an enormous you know, podcast following. But he's mm-hmm. also this, like, I hate technology. I want people to get off YouTube and people are like, well, don't you know that you're like, yeah. funding YouTube by doing this? He's like, yes, I realize that, but I have to do that in order to do this thing. So sorry. Yeah, that's the you world know, we live in. The fortune of the world we live in. Uh, no, but again, I think this conversation, Nathan, Nathan, the reason I wanted to have this is it's a lot of what a first off just help people understand that this exists, but then B you, you hit those topics. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, I know you had read flood there and you did one on, on specifically on religion um, on, on belief. The mm-hmm. one on your your podcast, which is obviously a dovetail of the actual show on how digital technology is changing us. Uh, you, you also check out the podcast. You've got a good podcast. Um, but all of these conversations, what makes life meaningful, finding meaning and dignity in work, as you already mentioned, these all these things are things that we need to be thinking about in a deep way, especially as, as men in today's world where there is so much distraction. We live in this this time when we're we're being proactively against our will, being distracted, right? That's literally what these markers are trying to do with all the technology we have. And so we, in order to, to be free of that, have to fight against it. Um, and I think what you're doing is helping give people a, a, an actual platform with which we can put a face with a name, a tangible event um, to help a learn more about whatever the topic is, but then B get connected, get out of the, get out of the social media, get out of the digital space, and get back to the way that we were created because we were created as human beings for human to human connection. So, well, Nathan, thanks so much for, for joining me today. And I encourage all of our listeners to go uh, and check you out and hopefully you'll be able to, I know we have some listeners who already attend, uh, but to attend some of your guys' events. Okay. Thanks a lot for having me, Joe. Awesome. Stick around. We'll head to a short break and we'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from businesses and organizations who share in the mission of connecting listeners to Christ while connecting you to their products and services they provide. To learn more and support the businesses and organizations who support the Iowa Catholic Radio Network, visit iowacatholicradio.com to view our business sponsors. If you'd like more information on how your business or organization can become a business sponsor, contact Deacon Mark, 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from CTO. 2023 is just around the corner, and that means 
time to do taxes. Reduce or eliminate paying Iowa income taxes and instead give to the Catholic Tuition Organization and receive 75% Iowa tax credits. These credits are going fast, so reserve yours today. Online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. My Welcome back to Man Up on Iowa Catholic Radio. My thanks again to Nathan Beacom for joining me today to discuss the Lyceum movement. You can tell a lot of parallels to things I talk about with regularity, right? Um, the the idea of the harms of technology and that podcast that he had, he really dives deep into that. Um, and if you get to go to one of these events, uh, they can dive a lot deeper than, than, than I can talk about here. Um, but the idea and I, it's funny I even mentioned Robert Putnam by name and then Nathan goes off and talks further about Robert Putnam uh, because again I think this idea of living as a Catholic man of what we're created and called to be the Lyceum movement there's a lot of parallels here um, when we're when we're looking at the formation of virtue the formation of prudence formation of knowledge interpersonal communication helping others, growing in community. All these types of things are important to us as human beings, as created human beings. And the more we become uh, sucked into technology, the more we become siloed in on ourselves, um, the less human we are, right? The reason that humanities, um, we study the humanities is because we want to learn how to be human, uh, how to interact with other humans, how to be the, a human being fully alive. As St. Irenaeus said, that is the glory of God. And how can we do that? And I think the Lyceum movement is pushing against the culture that is saying, no, no, just silo yourself in, get locked online, addicted to the everything digital, and say, no, let's let's hit the pause button. Let's reawaken this sense of wonder, this sense of community, this sense of learning. And I was so blown away the first time I talked with him about – we're talking tens of thousands of people attending these things um, not that long ago. I mean, you know, 1800 sounds like a long time ago. 19, early 1900 sounds like a long time ago. And my great-grandfather was born in 1870. That's not that many generations ago. Um, and that was when you know tens of thousands of people would, would regularly go to these things. All right, so let's uh, – Let's encourage you to to look up what they're doing. Uh, plug in when you can. I realize we're all busy, right? We're all busy. But if you can plug in to uh, one of these third Thursday events or one of the, the, the yearly events or find a topic that interests you, um, but follow the work uh, that they're doing over there at the Lyceum Movement. So thank you today for joining me on Man Up on IO Catholic Radio. I am Joe Stopulus. It's time to man up. Man Up, inspiring men to live out their call to holiness. 